J.J. Dillon. You wanted it, you got it. You dared to challenge me. You said I needed evidence. I'm gonna give you evidence. I came all the way to Washington, D.C. to get the jurisprudence that you need to give me my belt back. And J.J. Dillon, someone here will definitely listen to what I have to say. You're gonna have to leave. You're telling me I gotta leave? You have to leave now. Okay, easy guys. All right. You're in on the conspiracy too, aren't you? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. I just talked to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, talked to his law clerk, and I know she'll give him the message. And when he has a chance, he'll definitely have a meeting with me. I just know he will. But Dean Malenko was not listed in the Battle Royal. He was under a mask. He took the mask off, surprised me, and he beat me for the belt. Okay, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of the lackeys. I've had enough of the yes men. The time has come for me to go straight to the top. I'm gonna go inside because I heard he's a Jericho-holic, so he should let me in. Excuse me, sir, I'm America's role model. I need to see the chief. I gotta get inside and uh, go over J.J. Dillon's head. I'm sorry, there's no clearance. You're gonna have to leave right now. But I'm Chris Jericho. I don't care. You're gonna have to leave right now. Thank you, sir. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Greetings, Grapple fans, ah! and welcome to the final, well not the final actually, but the uh, penultimate episode of 2020's Let Me Tell You Something. We will be doing one extra episode on New Year's Eve, but we thought by the time you listen to it, it will probably be into 2021, and so we should still review 2020 whilst we're in 2020, so once we're out of 2020, we're not going to want to ever talk about 2020 again. But whilst we're here, we might as well be talking about it for one last time. And by we, I mean myself, your co-host, Lorcan Mullen. And with me, as always, is the John Silver to my Alex Reynolds. The Cutie Marshall to my Dustin Rhodes. The Jonathan Van Tam to my Chris Whitty. Oh. Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how you doing today, mate? Um, I'm, still, I'm still moving. I'm still breathing. That's all we can hope for, really, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. I'm not uh, fulfilling my role as resident ray of sunshine. I accept, but Stevie Ray of sunshine. Bye. But yeah. Oh. So, do you think that when we look back and we say how bad things are in the future, but we want to make sure we keep things in perspective, could you say we might be using our 2020 vision? Oh. I hope this is as bad as it gets and it doesn't get worse. And that's... What, my jokes or... Little of column A, a little of column B, really. I mean, you're not going to... You know, you'll go to news websites and podcasts and cultures, magazines and all that for true assessments of the whole year. So there's no point in us really going into it that much. We'll try to talk about it from a wrestling perspective. Yes, sorry, yes. <laughs> but 2020 in in the books... 
and will go down in our memories. It's something that we'll refer to for the rest of our lives. I was saying that it's funny, like, my nieces and nephews, they will bond with people their age or around their age in the future by asking what they what they did during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a defining moment for anyone from about ages 5 to 16, 17, I suppose, especially if you, you know, you did the exams and everything during this time. I mean, it could still be a defining... Well, I think of our age, it could still be a defining moment. A little bit, but we... But so much of your character's built before you reach this point in our lives, really. Um, but it's just things like my cousin's a te- One of my cousins is a teacher... And I've got another friend who also works in education. And they're saying that the kids that were there were very often a lot more germ-aware. And and phobic, frankly. Like, washing their hands and all those sort of things. So, you know, you wonder, is the next generation going to be more hygienically minded? Which is no bad thing, for the most part. But then you also worry, because it's such foundational events that there'd be less impetus or desire to go out as much. That we might become... We might raise a, a, a mini generation of agoraphobic people. They're already stuck on their phones for the most part, anyway. Like, and that's not just yeah. young people; that's everyone. So let's sort of hook it onto wrestling. Wrestling. Let's start with the WWE because we've... well, we're gonna we're gonna before we get into that, Simon. Because I know you're trying to dodge the inevitable, but before we knew what was going to happen, we made some predictions for this year. <laughs> See, I don't. I've not. I've going for a live reaction kind of thing. So I actually haven't gone back and checked to see what I said. So so this this is going to be raw, my response to this. Do you want to go first or second? I'll go first and I'll use yours as a palate cleanser. Okay. Your first prediction of 2020. Do you remember what your one of your more contentious predictions for 2019 have been? I remember Tommaso Ciampa to win the Royal Rumble gate, yes. Or was it money in the bank? No, it was money in the bank, sorry. Do you remember what you decided to do? You decided to double down on that. I have no memory of what I said, so this will be interesting. Well, your prediction for who was going to win money in the bank in 2020 was Adam Cole, baby. To be fair, Otis is no more ridiculous idea. Yeah. I can see why I said that when when I said that. On paper, it was a big leap, but... They were hot stuff. They'd just come off their Survivor Series sort of run. You predicted that the winner of the G1 Climax 2020 would be Switchblade Jay White. Ah, now. <laughs> now. Now. He didn't win it, but he is going into Wrestle Kingdom with the briefcase. So Jay White's done the most Jay White thing, not only to New Japan, but to me as well. <laughs> he really is a heel. <laughs> Your least brave prediction, I suppose, was for Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch to happen at WrestleMania. You did predict it being high on the card, but not the main event. I don't know if you could even call it high on the card, to be honest with you. Vince just lost complete faith with Baszler after that Survivor Series match. Yeah, yeah. And your final prediction was also WrestleMania-related. You predicted that there would be an appearance in-ring wrestling... By one Tyson Fury. Now, at the time, again, that looked, that looked very much like it was on the cards. It seemed like he was setting up something this year with Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Obviously, he's going to do something at some point down the line, it would seem. I, I don't think he's done with the E, ever. But I think that one could have happened if it weren't for the, that which shall not be named. So, 
these were my predictions for 2020. My first one was that AEW would run a show in the UK before October 2020. Now, wasn't it said that Fighter Fest was supposed to have happened in the UK this year? Yeah, I know he wanted to be in the UK this year before everything that happened. He being Cody, when he spoke about it. So, that one probably would have happened if it was not for COVID. My next one was that another former WWE World or Intercontinental Champion or a significant title holder would leave the WWE for AEW. Now, depending on what you count the World Tag Team titles as... You could say that that was correct with FTR. FTR was a big deal, then moving over. And also, Rusev slash Miro did move over as well. And he had a great US title run. I know he had the US, obviously, but I can't remember if he ever won the Intercontinental. No, I don't, I don't recall him ever winning the IC title. Depending on how you're defining it is whether I was correct or not with that one. But there were a couple of significant moves again. Well, WWE did its hardest to make FDR not as hot by the time they moved over. But it's still big news. Although, I mean, the fact that we're barely even going to mention Miro, I think, says it all about what's going on there at the moment. Not everyone can start at the top. No, but you can start with something less dumb than what the WWE was giving you, and he didn't do that. Ooh. So... My third prediction was that one of the following would reach the G1 final. Notice I didn't say they'd win it. And those were Will Ospreay, Evil, or Sonada. And there you've got the leader of a new fa- the new big faction, former champion who won the New Japan Cup and is now arguably the co-leader of the top heel faction. Yeah. And a G1 finalist in Sonada. Mm. So there we go. I saw big things for all three of those men, and I was not disappointed, at least in what they achieved. Not necessarily the matches they had. And my final prediction of 2020 was that the XFL would be dead. (laughs) Well. It's dead to Vince McMahon. It's on live support. Well, it's now with The Rock, which is the funniest one. Now I'm desperate for it to succeed. Now it hasn't got Vince's hat DNA on it, yeah. I mean, if anyone can. It's a man with agency connections like him. So yeah, society almost collapsed and wrestling was just a part of it. But the wrestling never stopped in the uh, television version of it. So it was so odd. We just had like a return to the old 1980s days of studio wrestling that NWA Power was bringing back. But even more so with uh, no crowd for long stretches of it. And then AEW came up with the idea of having talent on the front row uh, making noise which WWE followed up with afterwards um, even brought in some fans didn't they towards the uh, some of the Florida period there was like a mixing of fans and wrestlers uh, fans yeah Daly's place because it's an outdoor venue no I'm talking about WWE not AEW maybe for NXT yeah uh, I don't think they've done it for the Thunderdome no, they've never done it for the Thunderdome. But yeah, for the Performance Center, which was yeah. for a while Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Yes, I think they I think they did for like Halloween Havoc or something like that around that. I mean, what's so funny, again, about this year is I think this is going to be... When people go back want to get nostalgic about stuff from this these past five years, this will be the time period that they will least go back to. Yes. It's going to be such a freaky out-of-place experience. When WWE do top 10 moments that happened in 
the 2020s or top 10 heel turns or whatever, I think next to none of them will utilise footage from this period. Well, there's one exception. Uh, There's one guaranteed, actually maybe two guaranteed exceptions for WWE. Edge's return at the Rumble. But that was in front of a crowd. I'm talking about the non-crowd period. Ah. Uh, Well, in that case, then, I would still go Firefly Funhouse. Well, that's not... I mean, that's a backstage thing, and that doesn't really count anyway. I mean, in a ring with wrestling matches and so on. I mean, we're just coming from a time where the Fiend was burned alive, and I did suspect when I sent you a text afterwards whilst celebrating my uh, 100% prediction rate... Yeah, well done. the pay-per-view... I did wonder, have they killed off The Fiend? Which it doesn't look like it's the case, given that Alexa Bliss then turned up and, I guess, teased. that's teasing a return of some form. But it really does seem to be like... um, It started out still a fairly hot character, even though it had that mess with the Universal Championship and then dropping it to Goldberg. And his WrestleMania thing with John Cena was as close as wrestling comes to artsy fartsiness really i mean it was as close as wrestling's come to being directed by david lynch (laughs) but it was i don't know that there's any room for the fiend anymore in in far as being an in-ring bray white comes up with great concepts but i don't know that they actually have much life in wrestling in a wrestling match really maybe he's gonna have to just reinvent himself crazily every two or three years and then quickly that'll get exposed and he has to go back and do something new. I mean, well, it's a fun challenge. He's clearly the, a creative guy. The, the tweets he's throwing out indicate that The Fiend is going to evolve in some way. Which, you're right, it needs to. Because it just juddered to a halt whenever he stepped into a ring for like a legit match. That's why we ended up with things like the Firefly Funhouse match at Wrestlemania, the Swamp match at Extreme Rules, or the Horror Show at Extreme Rules, to give it its proper name. Vince just seems to have gone wacky with the lack of crowd. Vince has always been wacky. Vince is wacky. He jumped off a stage at 70-something years old. He's done something to his eyebrows and his lips. He's a wacky man. I, I think... The lack of crowd chanting like TNA or AEW, if like something is absolutely atrocious, though, has not helped him. But Vince has clearly stopped caring what fans thought years ago. He basically has to be taken aside by Triple H or someone and told he has to change course like with Daniel Bryan. Or the network. Well, that's the story, isn't it? That the USA network are now insisting that WWE go down a darker... So essentially it seems like the USA Network want us to go back to an Attitude Era of some description. Do you think him having the Fiend set on fire was malicious compliance? He's like, you want adult? I'm going to burn a man to death. Maybe. It's intriguing. One guy I follow on Twitter said that there's a chance 2021 could become a year akin to 1997 for the WWE. Which whether you look at it, depending on how you look at it, some people see that as the creative peak of WWE. And it's an interesting idea. I just don't think that Vincent Mann is surrounded by the people that can help him do that. Not necessarily by in-ring talent. Obviously, Bret Hart and, and Steve Austin and The Undertaker and Mick Foley. Shawn Michaels, Triple H. And also the, the impetus of ECW and WCW and just the whole world of wrestling just seeming to be 
in a crazy state of flux. Someone should make a movie about that, Simon. <laughs> but the thing about that was Vince was also surrounded by a then not entirely useless Vince Russo. He was with Pat Patterson. He was with Jim Cornette. He was with other creative forces behind the scenes that could still have his ear and wrestlers that were willing to stand up to him. Mm. Don't really have that now. You still have teams of writers who will not dare say anything to him and Vince that doesn't necessarily have a desire to try that anymore or even knows how to do it anymore. He doesn't need to, like, in a financial sense, and that's the problem. Like, they had one of the... I think was it their most profitable year this year? Yeah, I mean, that's down to... Cutting corners and the like as much as anything. Well, uh, yes. Which, well, that's the thing. Like, there's clearly Vince is going to be facing opposition from many corners in different ways this year. And ne- so he met them this year and next year in ways that he hasn't had before. If Andrew Yang je- genuinely does get a chance to go after them as employment secretary. Well, I could see Andrew Yang ended up ending up in the cabinet. Yeah, but you'd think they'd have announced it by now. I don't know. Maybe they have announced who's going to take over in these roles i'm not sure well i think they're a little bit busy at the minute trying to crowbar any sort of like compliance out the last administration but i think this battle over twitch and cameo is bigger than vince realizes i think i think he's pissed off the wrong people at the wrong time for them to be pissed off i mean yeah i find it hard to believe that him saying now you can't make money off of Twitch or Cameo without us having a cut. And then Tony Khan being able to say you can do whatever you want on Twitch <laughs> and Cameo is not going to be a huge incentive to an Xavier Woods, a Kofi Kingston, a Big E. Well, Xavier's deal's a bit different because he, he, he sort of, up, up, down, down, is part of the WWE umbrella now. So he's sort of covered himself there. Yeah, well, now he's on. He's going to be a part of that G four thing, isn't he? He's he's prepping for all sorts of things. He's a renaissance man. He's he's making sure he he doesn't have to come back for the money. If if he ever came back, he'd come back for the love of it, or like if the right thing turned up. He wants to make sure he wants to thicken his revenue stream. Yeah, but Vince is preventing him from doing that, and Tony Khan at the moment doesn't seem to be as bad for that yet. It's interesting that reportedly Thea Trinidad was earning more through Twitch than she was with her WWE contract. So her stance is completely understandable. I think the same things happen with Paige. I think it's significant that the Screen Actors Guild are getting are looking at this. They're circling the they're circling it. And I think that there are enough figures within the WWE who if they can get us signing up to screen if if it became a legal matter and a judge ruled that Wrestlers are on-screen talents who perform, and I don't see any reason why they can't be considered that. That's what WWE always brand them as when it's fortunate for them. That there's no reason that they can't apply to join the Screen Actors Guild, and the Screen Actors Guild will let them in. Yeah, at least then maybe they'd get decent medical coverage from like a guild or a union. You that know. means you no longer have to rely on it being the wrestlers or forming a union. Yeah. Uh, whichever wrestlers can, want to will be able to join a union. And then... The problem with unions in those sorts, especially with the Screen Actors Guild, is kind of all or nothing. Like, you can't be a writer on an American show without being a member of the Writers Guild of America. Yeah. So would the Screen Actors Guild of America want to make it the case that there'd be a contract negotiation with WWE and then a, a Screen Actors Guild Association membership is a requirement for a new employee of the WWE? Then you're going to hit a problem. 
I can't see Vince wanting that. Well, of course Vince doesn't want that. No, I know, but he'll he'll fight too for nail. He can manipulate wrestlers into thinking, okay, maybe a union membership isn't for me. And I guarantee you the Khans mm. don't want anyone joining any unions either. The Khans are not a left-wing friendly bunch. No, it's not a uto- socialist utopia in AEW, no. There's going to be an impasse, here that, uh, an, an impasse there. And, you know, I just think if figures like AJ Styles had had their contract negotiations happening this time instead of, like, whatever it was a year earlier, he would look at potentials for a couple more years on AEW, on New Japan, and doing stuff on Twitch, which is obviously because he's a massive gamer. Same as Samoa Joe. And the key bit is, obviously... Twitch doesn't fill up your bump card either. But then they need to... Look, the WWE are right. These people wouldn't have as big a following on their Twitches and that if they weren't in the WWE. So in theory, the WWE can say, yeah, we deserve this. But that's like saying whoever cast Chris Evans in not another teen movie doesn't get to get a chunk of his change in Captain America. Yeah. No, that's just silliness. It's just so frustrating that we have to have this conversation in the year 2020, though. I know it's great that it's being looked at, but you know what I mean? It's just we we know it's been like this for so long and it's just so annoying that it's been the case. Wrestlers literally risk their life to entertain us, but yet they don't have the same medical benefits as people in the office. It's just madness. It's utter, utter madness. I don't know if part of this comes from the fact that we had grown up in Britain with government paid for healthcare. But for me, it just it just seems the insanity just seems amplified for me. Mm. I think because of that, I think because we've got that attitude of that's the standard, that's what there should be. The fact that people are willing to like go, oh, it's not the end of the world, or oh well, you know, if they don't like it, they can go somewhere else. You're, you're missing the point. Well, the thing is, now they can go somewhere else. I wouldn't be surprised if the Black goes. I wouldn't be surprised if AJ Styles goes. I wouldn't be surprised if any of the New Day went. I wouldn't be surprised if Sami Zayn went or Kevin Owens or Daniel Bryan. The problem is we're in this netherworld of what is the wrestling world going to look like in the middle of 2021? Are we going to hit? Because there are a lot of people arguing that after the pandemic of the Spanish flu happened, it was followed a year or two down the line by the Roaring Twenties because everyone was crazy to do stuff. Yeah pumps up the economy if we're all vaccinated and we're back to normal and it's the summer it's going to be a summer to remember i think for a lot of people oh, it's going to be a gr- it's going to be carnage especially again looking at britain with the euros as well those those uh big screen beer parks are going to be absolutely rammed assuming we can still do those things there's still variables up in the air the way that it looks like right now and actually this is what i'm going to ask you i optimistically There'll be some form of normal life by May. It seems like that's sort of the uh, uh, time that they're going for. Mm. So here's my first question to you. Is WrestleMania going to take place in an arena with fans in a stadium? They've booked it. What stadium have they booked? I think it's the same one from last time, isn't it? Tampa, Florida, Raymond James Stadium. Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, because Florida's governor is... He's a tosser. Lax. It's out. Raymond James is an outdoor stadium, so they can already have fans in it according to their criteria. It's much bigger than Daly's Place, obviously. So yeah, you could probably. I mean, I don't. I don't profess to have the exact Florida rules in front of me, but you could probably get a fair few thousand in there. Yeah, you're not getting fans coming in from Europe yet, and that must make a good 
percentage of the stadium. Uh, Europe, Australia. Yeah, South America maybe, even obviously Canada and Mexico and, and the like. Yeah. So that's going to be a factor. It, there'll probably be some form of social distancing in place, so it might be along the lines of the New Japan dome shows that are coming up. And that'll be odd in itself, a socially distanced WrestleMania crowd. That'll be wild. Someone tells me they won't be they won't be telling them to not yell and scream and holler like they tell them in Japan. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, they they don't in Daly's place, but it's still quiet in Daly's place. When these wrestlers all start doing their first loops around all the new places, all the places that they haven't been to for like eighteen months, who usually would get them every six months, there's gonna be some crazy. I think the crowds will be as loud as they've ever been for at least the first six months that this is all back. I think the AEW crowds will be particularly vocal. Oh my god. And that's a question, actually, because we, we should really... We should give credit where credit's due to certain people. And I mean, WrestleMania... Will, I think WrestleMania people might go back and watch again because it was such a surreal experience and it was over two shut two days as well. Yeah. Some of them we've long wondered is that where WrestleMania's going to go down. One of the good things, actually, about these shows is they've been a lot shorter, whereas there was this whole spate of shows that were going three and a half, four hours for, like, a bloody... It's knackering, it is. Money in the Bank show or, or TLC or something like that, when they shouldn't have been no more than three. But it was because they were obsessed with streaming hours, weren't they? Yeah. But I think we should say here now, who do we think have been the MVPs of this year for the WWE? Because I thought, I thought the people at WrestleMania that I felt the most sorry for were Otis and Mandy Rose. Yep. I thought they'd done a great job with their storyline and that they didn't get the payoff... With the kiss and the crowd going crazy, it was a real shame. They they actually told a good story throughout that thing. Uh, Drew McIntyre, I feel very sorry for. I think he's going to get some very strong responses when he finally is able to come out with the crowd as champion. Oh, if he gets to, um, I mean, I don't know when he'll get to do it to a British crowd, but his first reaction, if they hold a Raw in Glasgow. Yeah, they'll be mad not to hold Raw or SmackDown in Glasgow or Edinburgh. You'd assume Glasgow. Yeah, the Hydra. Yeah, I MVPs for this year. Other than MVP, Banks and Bailey. Uh, MVP, yeah, that's mad. Well, that's actually let's let's talk about Banks and Bailey as well because this was a very interesting year to compare the fates of all the four horsewomen. Because obviously the star of 2018 and 2019 have been Becky Lynch. Yeah, and then suddenly she's gone. The person that they built the promotion around essentially for the past 18 months was gone for reasons that people may have not even expected. There's rumours that she's going to be in the Thor movie. I know that much. She might have been leapfrogged in that regards with another one of her contemporaries. And then we have the Charlotte Flair-a-thon. She, she won the Rumble. She then won the NXT Championship from Rhea Ripley, which a lot of people yeah. are burial. I don't necessarily agree with that. But, but Rhea Ripley's definitely been treading water this year when she seemed like the surefire thing last year. Again, I think they're holding off on her going to Raw or SmackDown before, until she's in front of a crowd. Well, there's, uh, wasn't there um, reports of contention between NXT creative and uh, main roster creative about Charlotte winning that title and how it impacted the women's brand. To be fair, she still dropped it at the In Your House show. Didn't take the pin, though. Well, she was part of it, though, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. But that was the thing. Like At that time, she was appearing on everything. She was on Raw, she was on SmackDown, she was on NXT. It's a bit Poochie-esque. But then, that is exactly what then happened with Banks and Bailey for the next six months... And no one's complained about that at all. And like you say, they're probably the two best performers over the course of the year in the WWE, between them and McIntyre, probably, and arguably Randy Orton. I think no one complained about that in part because it wasn't Becky or Charlotte 
I love Becky. Charlotte's an incredible wrestler. I th- I think they were being overutilized. Well, I think that also was coupled with the fact that everyone's always felt that Banks and Bailey have been mistreated in WWE since moving up from NXT. Yeah, and now they were finally being treated as stars and being given big wins consistently. They held all the titles for a while. They were getting wins over everyone. They were looking great. They were they were having great moments. Back, Bailey was completely reinvented with the Karen haircut and everything. Oh. Like that, which, to be fair, was already there from before. But she really stepped it up throughout that whole run. And like I said, I, I texted you, I think, around the summertime saying, if they time this right, if they stretch this out correctly, there's no reason the Banks versus Bailey can't main event the next WrestleMania. As, like, the the female modern-day equivalent of the Mega Powers Explode. Yeah. They didn't do that, but I think it's significant that the match that they had on SmackDown after the Hell in a Cell match was, like, the biggest ratings of the year or something like yeah. that for, for SmackDown. So I think that proves that they could have done it. I'm kind of glad they didn't try, though, because not through no fault of their own, I don't think it would have been as hot, judging on the way some things are being booked over there. At the but moment. how can you judge what's hot and what's not anymore? And other than by going on hot or not. But the Hogan Savage storyline lasted a year. And obviously it's different with Raw and SmackDown and everything. And they were on every show. But yeah. they were doing it so well. They were so entertaining. There's no reason you could have milked it a bit longer. They never had a proper run with the Iconics for reasons of idiocy. That's the whole thing, you know. The whole thing with Vince is that he's got ADD. He doesn't pay attention to anything. He splits up the Iconics for no reason. And now Peyton Royce is teaming with Lacey Evans with no chemistry or reason for them to be together. And they're stuck on main event when you hear that the reason they split up was because Vince had big plans for Peyton Royce. He had took a turn on Otis and cost him the money in the bank briefcase. And they didn't even feud. Yeah. Like, what's he doing? (laughs) He doesn't care what he's doing. That's the thing. I think... I've always said wrestling has a weird way, especially in the WWE, of predicting what's going to happen in real life a few years down the road. And I've always said that moment, after the pipe bomb and Punk winning at Money in the Bank and Triple H coming into the ring and saying, the board have voted you out, you're going to have to go, I don't want to do this, I'm in charge. A version of that is going to happen. Maybe because I'm watching Succession at the moment, so I've got it in my head. (laughs) But at some point, I think Vince will be kicked out before he can... Because he's never going to jump. No. And look at his mum. He's going to be around till 100. He's either going to live to 100 or he's going to drop dead within the next six months. Either situation seems equally plausible to me. So we talked about that. I mean, does Becky Lynch ever come back to the state as she was before? Does she even want to necessarily? She was already getting acting roles. Like I said, she might be in the new Thor film. That's the story I've heard. She was in Billions briefly. There's less of a stigma attached to wrestlers. And especially at a time when they're trying to project strong women in action films and all that. If all the films coming up in the future are going to be superhero movies, then getting a Becky Lynch in one of those sort of roles is perfect for it. And it's why Sasha Banks looked so good in The Mandalorian. And after watching it, I'm like, there is no way she's not going to have at least half dozen big offers put in front of her, if only just to audition. There's no way that Marvel haven't looked at her and thought, what can we do with her? There's no way Disney haven't looked at her and gone, is there another one of our 59 Star Wars series that we can build around her. You like Star Wars, eh? Have all the Star Wars in the world! I don't understand this. Kevin Smith gave up after 12. (laughs) (laughs) But to uh, go back to your point, Becky Lynch is in a very powerful position right now. The world will be her oyster. 
when the world reopens. Where are her priorities anyway? Because she's done everything that she can do, really, except for maybe a singles match with Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey doesn't necessarily want to come back. She doesn't necessarily want to come back. She obviously made some decisions, much to the shock and disgust of Jim Cornette. Yeah. But maybe there's a life outside of wrestling that she wanted to do. <laughs> shock horror! <laughs> maybe she never wants to come back. If you follow her story, she did so many different things. She gave up on wrestling once. Yeah. yeah. She has acting and stunt work experience. So, yeah, that's what she's doing. And I think Sasha Banks... Well, I'll save it for later. Let's talk about cinematic wrestling. It was what all the kids were doing. (laughs) But it really... I mean, you look at the Inferno match. Very little in the way of cinematic filming has been done on that. I I was adamant that was going to be cinematic. When was the last time WWE did a cinematic thing? Was it The Fiend and Braun Strowman? Was Extreme Rules after Money in the Bank? I've no idea. You can't. Time and space means nothing to us. It's either of those. Mm. So, well, well, the Seth Ray eye for an eye match, that wasn't cinematic, but that used props akin to the Orton theme used thing. props from 1940s cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was the fiend thing was obviously rubber when it, it when it burnt, but it's not like cinematic wrestling hasn't existed for a while. And I mean, we were talking about making it an episode. I think that time to have done it has come and gone, really, for LMTYS at least for the time being. There have been cinematic aspects added to wrestling since at least the days of the Ultimate Warrior and Jake the Snake Roberts prepping him for his feud with the Undertaker, including like mm. POV shots from a snake before it bite uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. So it's not anything new. It's just I think everything post Matt Hardy's first deletion, it's become a, a mainstay. And then it seemed like the logical thing to do. I mean, you look at how the greatest wrestling match of all time match was filmed. It turned me off, to be honest. I, I, I don't think I've watched it all, but I've watched bits and bobs. But like the moment when they go in for the lockup and we're going underneath them from shot underneath. I was just like, that's not what I want to, that's not how I want to watch the greatest wrestling match of all time. It was also the fact that I think neither men could be asked with the concept. <laughs> they, 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 no, they weren't on board with the concept. That's a more fairer assessment. Well, the sad thing was, the story goes that Edge got injured from a reshoot, apparently. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, you'd assume it would be, because if you, you know, when the adrenaline's run out, then it'd be hard for him to go back and do it. But it was obviously a thing of, second takes and reshoots and like Dave Meltzer at the time was refusing to review half of these matches I mean it begs at least it was something different it was experimental but it was clear that even towards the end everyone was a bit fed up with it and I think yeah. that there was, I think the Matt Hardy Sammy Guevara one left a bit of a bad taste in people's mouths I mean immediately after that Matt Hardy reinvented himself again and had essentially turned heel because it was like that was a bit much what he did to Sammy there especially the implication well that whole feud is, was cursed, truth be told. But I think the fact that they sort of... He went for the eye-for-eye approach after being... Look, I need to address... Like, the whole Matt Hardy wrestling on after that that bump at All Out was a horror show as far as AEW goes. That, that it wasn't was, an Extreme Rules thing. No. It was just awful, awful decision-making. And I, I sincerely hope that 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 was reviewed and new measures have been put in place. There is absolutely no need in this day and age with everything we know about head injuries for that match to have carried on. And yeah, if Matt Hardy lost, he'd have left AEW. You can write around that. You can't write around a man at severe risk of who knows what. 
You call it a no contest and there is no winner. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've seen footage from a recent Dragon Gate show. It's not, it's not, it's obviously not been a thing exclusive to the WWE. If anything, the WWE might be a bit better on the concussion front than other areas. Partly because mm. they'll have the funds to back up the the nursing element of it and the health aspect to it. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Um... I mean, and again, to WWE's credit, because I know we did slag them off from a medical standpoint earlier. They do more often than not, I think, at times pay for like ex-wrestlers rehabs and surgeries and stuff but yeah but how much is that PR like, how much is that is through actual desire to help well this is the thing you know i can't i can't not say they don't do it but their motives behind it you're right could just be uh smile and wave for the cameras and look how nice we are so more about AEW i think that they they worked around the lockdown and everything better than WWE did a lot seemed like everything good that the WWE every idea that they did the WWE would do some sort of copy of it it's such a tough place to have been other times they would have died on the vine I mean they were saying you they had to keep going or they would have gone out of business it's just as simple as that because yes. it's all they're all their income is through TV they aren't through live shows they won't have the merchandise they won't have the liquidity or stock market valuation on their shares to keep themselves going for a certain amount of time well and also will they do live are live shows going to be as prevalent in the new in the post-covid era i think they might be in the immediate post-covid era just because people are so desperate for it yeah that you might want to put out more shows than before but then there'll be a leveling off over time unless you're able to provide a quality product which the wwe haven't got at the moment AEW have up to a point it's that whole argument isn't it like wwe have a better roster AEW have better stories and everyone prefers AEW to wwe not everyone but a large there's a large chunk of people that do and you know we, we limit our talk of ratings, but the fact that AEW did beat Raw in the 18-49 demos in all three hours of Raw a couple of weeks ago, that is very significant. That is a big deal. WWE have essentially diminished their valuation their audience every year for the past 20 years, essentially. If you think about it, the, I can't imagine there's been a year where it's gone up. No. Not significantly, anyway. I... Whereas AEW are still expanding, and we haven't seen that from a wrestling company. Yeah, I think I think a lot of them have left and just not returning. Well, some of them may then turn to AEW. You see moments like Sting coming back. You see what they're planning to do with Kenny Omega. Hopefully, next year could be really, really exciting. But like I said, so much of so much of twenty twenty, I think, has been treading water. They, like I was saying, the FTR Young Bucks uh, five star dis- discussion. They were holding off on that way longer than they would have done if it was in front of a crowd. And it's just so sad that there are all these moments that they didn't get to experience with the crowd. Like I said, Otis kissing Mandy didn't get Drew the winning reaction the title. it deserved. Drew McIntyre winning the title and then winning it back didn't get the reactions they deserved. Eight, the Young Bucks and FTR being across each other for the first time ever after years of build-up didn't get the reaction it deserved. All these different moments. Well, Hangman as well. Like Hangman's... Hangman and Kenny breaking up without a crowd reaction. Moxley's first pinfall loss. Well, all the start of the Kenny Omega stuff. And like I said, I think they had these things in plan for a long time. I think they said they've, they've sort of had the Kenny idea with him teaming up with Don Callis for quite a while. But they didn't want to do it whilst there was no crowd there to do anything with it. And you know, and you look at Impact where it would help them. Impact are still doing it in front of no fans. They haven't even gone down the route of 
having the fans around. It's just weird when you look at Japan now. Uh, it's comparatively where they've... Obviously, their attitude to COVID was entirely different. And they do have fans back now. And it's nice. It's, it's nice to watch wrestling with fans in the year 2020. They have it in the culture. Yeah. But it's still not... It's still not the reactions that you want. No. I mean, Wrestle Kingdom is going to feel hollow. There's no real excitement around this year's Wrestle... The, around 2021's Wrestle Kingdom like there was. I mean, how we started... We started this year with Tetsuya Naito finally doing it and one of the... Arguably the greatest storyline in wrestling history reaching its end and then moving on to a different chapter afterwards. Yeah. That's been very up and down. Gato's booking this year has left a lot to be desired. Whole evil thing's proven not to work in the way that they wanted it to. They had limited options with talent coming in. The fact that Yujiro was in the G1 Climax is kind of all you need to know about how they weren't where they wanted to be. But they ha- they have these plans in place. And I think 2021, they will want to prove a lot of things right. And I would also assume because they haven't had a... They haven't had to go back into lockdown like in europe and, and north america that it's must be coming to the point with vaccinations available that probably by new japan cup final time or something like that they might even have close to full capacity allowed again oh. and the like and that'll be very exciting and the, when the crowd will be able to make noise you better believe they're going to make some noise I'm just trying so hard not to be jealous, sorry. Because of their limitations and because of the decision of going behind some people they've gone behind, you know, we only have, what, half a dozen New Japan matches this year with the five-star rating? And that was with them having to take a long chunk off. They they didn't cut, they weren't coming back for week on week because of their business model as well. And we had the first five-star match from Noah in over a decade and a half. Mm. And that wasn't inside of, with a full crowd. I just, it's a little bit sad, bless them. Because maybe like Noah could, Noah could have like built more momentum if they could let more people in, if they could get more buzz. Who's to say? But you know what I mean? It's Well, who's to say that there really is buzz? All it is is that Dave Meltzer gave them five stars. That doesn't mean that there's buzz. That just means Dave Meltzer liked one of their matches a lot. True. Like I said, when, when we watched that match, that crowd did not look close to being full, even under the COVID restrictions. Yeah. And that's not a good sign. Fair point. So we've got to hold off on that. Well, I just want as many companies as well possible to do well, especially after this year. Well, as many companies as possible could very soon have one man as their champion. Looking at where they're going to go with Kenny Omega is very exciting. I think we, we're building up in our heads to a point that if he's not holding five belts, at least, we're going to be disappointed. How much is it them playing it up and how much is it serious? You know, the fact that I sent you a text when he, when he said it, like I said, Excalibur mentioned Kotribushi in commentary. He did name-check him, Blair. Right. He name-checked him, and he name-checked him as the only man that's kicked out the one-wing angel. You can't get much more significant a, a, a way of referencing him than that, either. I have an image of like him just getting more and more like arrogant, more and more belts, more and more belts, and he sees Kosa, and it's like he's seen a ghost. Sort of like Brock's reaction when Kane Vasquez turned up. I still think it's, a, it's Omega that makes the challenge. The problem is, you can't have that shock of it yet, until there's no need for you to quarantine for two weeks before you go to Japan, or, or vice versa. Also, Moxley does also need to receive the praise he deserves for the work he did this year without a crowd as a champion. I think he had a great champion ru- championship run with the AEW title. 
a different type of champion to Chris Jericho, and you and Omega's going to be a very different type of champ to both of them. And the fact that he was able to main event pay-per-view wrestling Eddie Kingston. See, this is the year I discovered it, Eddie Kingston. And oh my God, he is mint. Yeah. That's the sign that really what you care about more than anything is not the quality of the match. It's you being wanting to see a match. You know, it wasn't like they had a bad match, but you were just excited to see that match. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Kingston made me want to see that match. Like, Eddie Kingston, I, I, I do like being sucked in on a journey in a match and what what eddie does is as well is something that i think more people need to do is that he's showing a wrestler with frailty to his ego and there needs to be more of that in wrestling so much of wrestling is like i'm such a fucking badass yeah do the coolest moves there needs to be frailty to the character that's what's making hangman page work so well with the crowd and why i think when AEW comes back he's going to be the guy getting the loudest responses from the crowd when he's dressed in purple he was already getting there in February with the, you know, it's hard to believe that that was this year, but the Young Bucks Omega Hangman match, which uh, I think is by far our most listened to episode of our show as well, the five-star review. That was this year. Let's talk about the actual episodes that we did, because like I said, we, we didn't plan for us to not release as much stuff as we ended up not releasing this year. We were going to take off until autumn, before all the end times, um, we were just going to talk about do five-star matches, and we figured that would be good for it. To pull you behind the curtain a little bit, listeners, around January was the time I was trying to complete a house sale, which is one of the most stressful things a human will ever do. Hey, I moved flats just a couple of months ago. You better believe it. <laughs> That's without hundreds of thousands of pounds in the equation. Yeah, we were grateful for the time off, but we were going to come back. I think in our heads we were like, okay, life will be flowing, G1 will be up and running uh, by the time we've started our Match of the Week project, so we'll have to like sprinkle those in a lot more. It just didn't turn out to be the case. There was a six-month gap of not, us not giving you anything, which we did not expect to happen. We're still thankful. I mean, this has been our year with the most listens ever, which is awesome when you consider that. And we love the fact our audience is growing as well. Um, like More of my friends are for that, like, listening for the first time and that's great feedback to get uh, I mean I still find it mad that but, people will actually listen well, to what not I have everyone, to say I know you don't but some of our listeners might when I let you talk <laughs> <laughs> we're aware of the dynamic of this show so let's talk about the, the five star matches we have covered we won't read discuss them but i'm just going to run down the list and just see off the top of your head what would you say maybe your three favorites so the matches that we discussed this year that were 2025 star matches started off with will osprey losing the iwgp junior heavyweight title to hiromu takahashi at wrestle kingdom oh yeah and then departing the junior division kazuchiro okada defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship successfully oh. on that night as well against Kota Ibushi, the G1 Climax winner, only to then drop it to Tetsuya Naito the night afterwards, and Naito finally yeah. sealing everything that he needs to do. Then, I don't know if you even remember this, we had the Rev Pro Championship match between Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay. I do not remember a lot of that. Which is the championship that Ospreay is still carrying around with him. Then we had the Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against the Young Bucks match. Then, what's going on? (laughs) 
then our next one after that was Best Friends against Santana and Ortiz. Oh. In the brawl backstage, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, parking lot. I think I, let's just call it the parking lot brawl. Then we had a couple of G1 matches: Will Ospreay against Shingo Takagi, Kotobushi yeah. against Minoru Suzuki, yes. and Kazuchika Okada against Shingo Takagi. Yep. Then we had the first ever NXT UK match to have. Oh no, sorry, not the first. The 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 Walter Tyler Bate match also had. Yeah, the first uh, one of the episode weekly episode between Volta and Ilya Drugunov. And then we had FTR against the Young Bucks, the long-awaited dream match, which is actually by far our most listened to episode, not the Young Bucks Omega Hangman Page match. And then we rounded it off with Goshiyazaki against Takashi Sugura. Ooh, okay. So would you say what three sort of stand out to you at this point? The moment you said it, there's there's such a moment in the Kota Abushi versus Okada match where uh, I, I remember speaking about it at the time, when Kota's eyes just glaze over. Oh, when he turns into silent killer mode. Yeah. Oh, I, I forgot how good that moment was. So that's in my top three. I, I, I'm not going to put it in my top three, but Honorary mentioned the Naito match. More for the story than the match itself. The, um, uh, the emotional attachment to the characters I've emotionally attached to outside of the WWE, partly through our projects and partly through... Me watching AEW on a weekly rather than WWE are Tetsuya Naito and Hangman Adam Page. Mm. Uh, they're like two of my favourite baby faces. And so does Hangman Page's five star, well six star match? Does that also factor into your? Top it's my favourite match. I watched it literally yesterday. So that's your that's yesterday. your number one. Yeah, I actually watched it recreationally yesterday uh, again. It's my I was thinking of, I wanted to rewatch it actually. I probably will sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't really go back and rewatch stuff, either films or TV or wrestling for the most part. I'm kind mm. of always about what's new. Although I did actually rewatch the first 20 minutes of the uh, Saruta's Army against the Super Generation Army six man tag <sighs> from April 91. Uh, I think that might genuinely. Not, I'm not saying it's the best match ever, but I think it might become. If not my favorite, one of my favorite matches. I don't mm. think anything can surpass David Boy Smith against Bret Hart, but I have so much love for that match. Uh, it's like comfort food, but um, none of those matches are comfort food for me. But they were enjoyable. I think I'm gonna piss Jim Cornette off and have a pair of Young Bucks matches in there. I think my three are gonna be third and second. Jostling between them are gonna be. I think I think three will be Young Bucks FTR. Two would probably be Young Bucks Omega Page. And I think my number one would be Volta Dragunov. Because it's the one match that works within the 2020 environment that actually made it potentially better and adapted to it better than any other match did. I think, again, because I was a little bit more invested in the Kota story is why the Kota match is there. But, I, yeah, that Walter Dragunov match was insane. for Especially for the silence, it was perfect in a way well it worked with the silence because it was yeah. also maybe the loudest match you'd ever heard somehow at the same time poor dragon off um but none of them would make my personal 10 which i think needs to move about a bit anyway i think i might try and do an epic rewatch of every match at least that i agreed on five star ratings with and then see because mm. i think i should give the tanahashi that match the tanahashi suzuki match sticks in my head more than some of the matches i have in my top 10 
And I really don't want us to have David Starr in our top five overall. Ah, oh, well, yeah. There's no real point going back into speak speaking out more than what we we kind of discussed it as best as we could in the why we are still wrestling fans. And obviously, there are limitations to our status, our, our identity, yes. whatever you want to call yeah. it. Roll your eyes if you want; it matters. Things like these do matter. The UK wrestling scene has to start from scratch next year. I mean, literally start from scratch. There need to be new promotions, new rules, new guidelines in place. There's only so much you can do if you're just a guy. You know, we talk about starting something up ourselves. Well, day, let's maybe, let's peel but... it back just a layer further. What survives? Yeah, and who survives? Yeah. And who survives? I mean, I, one of my predictions used to be the progress will be absorbed into the WWE more. I don't know if it's even there's much point in keeping it going, really, at this point, especially with... So many of the people involved in it taking a back seat or just not being involved in the company anymore anyway. Yeah. There's just an ugliness attached to the UK scene right now that needs to... But maybe there's a gap in the market post-COVID. Maybe. If international travel restrictions are still in place, something's got to entertain British fans. Well, I think AEW could become as significant in the UK scene as TNA was. I could see them coming to the UK... I can see them coming two to four times over the course of the year in the future. I can genuinely see that. Mm. So they're going to expand to any other market. The UK is going to be the next logical market to go to. Outside oh, yeah. of Canada. And there's no real UK title that Omega could go on a belt hunt. Although we did name check the UK. Maybe if they get into a relationship with New Japan, maybe you could go after Osprey's Rev Pro title. That'd be a hell of a thing to have. Yeah. If, they, if they reach an agreement with New Japan. Can you imagine? Osprey versus Omega. A Europe as well as... Mexico. It'll be like every con. Yeah, then it'll be every continent. Yeah, because yeah. they can't do anything with WXW or Progress or anyone like that. And then no one else after that really has the name value, except arguably Rev Pro. So maybe that'll be where we go if we go down anyway with that. But that's all theoretical. Speaking out, more needs to be done. All I have now left to talk about are our predictions for next year and our iconic moments for this year. Our, our Mount Rushmore moments for this year. Lovely. Do you have anything else that you want to add? I just want to further echo your sentiment that uh, more needs to be done. And okay, this year's had this year's been a twenty twenty one is a restart. Yeah, this year's a big cloud. Let's face it. The silver lining could be we have not a blank slate, but a much blanker slate to build from. Maybe going forward. Obviously, twenty twenty one. It's not starting on January first. You, you're starting a clean break. It could be. Who the hell knows with mutations? <laughs> What's going to happen? But I would assume that by SummerSlam 2021, at least, there's going to be... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if WWE tried to book a stadium for SummerSlam if at that point people can travel yeah. again. Well, Touchwood, the mutation that's presented in the UK apparently is not the vaccine we'll still take care of. Let's get some predictions in, Simon. I'll go first, if that's okay, because you usually have a deeper roster than me. Do you have any backups? I have one backup. So I've tried to spread them across different facets of wrestling as much as possible. But my first two are WWE related. Okay. I'm going to start with the bad news. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. One of my predictions is an episode of Raw in the year 2021 will have under 1 million viewers. I think I think if, that, if they haven't done that by the time they're... Crowds are back. I don't think that will happen. Mm. A part of me thinks if people can go out more, maybe less TV, live TV gets watched. Yeah, but not on Mondays. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. 
Like, it, uh, we, well, not, this is the, one of the hardest years to do. So mine are a little bit, well, that and the fact I'm sick of being mocked for picking like NXT call-ups that never happen. So I've got a little bit safer this year. Are, you, are we getting a third Money in the Bank prediction? We're not, no. I will throw one in as a bonus. Like, why not? As a joke. So, prediction two, a cinematic Royal Rumble. I know we've talked about how cinematic matches have sort of burnt away, pardoning the pun with The Fiend and what have you, but think about the Royal Rumble as a match. It's so fan interactive with the counting down, with the shocks and the surprises, and it's so long as a single match. Do you really want to run an hour match with just the Thunderdome? And there's two of them, don't forget. There's women's and men's. Maybe they'll do that one over two days as well. And have do you know why it wouldn't hurt Women's them. match on one and men's on the other. Speaking on Kenny Omega, I think he wrestles a match in New Japan in 2021. Okay. Spe- I'm sticking with New Japan. Because his booking's gone a little bit and the- their resources have been a bit different. So I'm going to go just a bit left field. I think Will Ospreay wins the IWGP intercontinental title in 2021. Oh, so you think they're going to be split up? Though, I do honest. not see the belts staying together for the entirety of 2021. No. As a little funny aside, purely going off Vince's obsession with big men and him having big men retrain to sort of more his style, coupled with maybe like darker, more adult content. Stupid money in the bank prediction, Karrion Cross. Why not? God, you're just obsessed with an NXT guy. Winning the money in the bank, aren't you? All right, that's okay. Well, I, well it's it's tradition. If I have to throw one, I have to throw one in it. It's great. I will point. say this about carrying cross. I look forward to seeing that entrance in front of a rabid NXT crowd. That will be mint. That'll be cool. All right, my predictions. I've got three backup predictions. One is that at some point Roman Reigns, who we need to talk about a little bit, he will have an interaction with The Rock. In some way, shape, or form. Roman as a heel is so, so good. Yeah, but they're milking some things already too far. The whole talking in the ring, him speaking very quietly. They're sort of already becoming self-parodic. But I do think him and Jey Uso and Paul Heyman did a great job, at least in the starting point of that storyline. I also think it's significant that Vince McMahon finally saw Roman Reigns as working as a heel when he said, I don't think I should work over health reasons. <laughs> that was finally what it took for Vince to think, you know what, maybe there is a villain underneath all yeah, this. Yeah, well, at least we got it. That's the main thing. I've got two backup AEW predictions. Either Chris Jericho will take an extended break from AEW at some point. Mm-hmm. Probably linked to MJF taking over the inner circle. Or at least destroying the inner circle. And that the AEW tag team titles will be won by Impact Motor City Machine Guns. Ooh. Okay. Those are my three backup predictions. My four proper predictions. Kenny Omega will hold at least four singles titles simultaneously for at least four months. Do you mean, like, the main singles title for that particular promotion? Yeah, he's not going to win the NWA Television Championship. You know, no. he's going to... I didn't know if you were going to try and claim the TNT title on a technicality. No, 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 no. He won't go for that. He'll go for promotions. So I think, like everyone else is predicting, he's going to hold the Impact World title. At that point, he's got AEW and AAA Impact Wrestling. I don't see how it doesn't help Billy Corgan keeping the NWA brand alive. 
to not have him turn up on a couple of episodes of Power doing promos in the form of Nick Bockwinkle and Bobby Heenan in a studio wrestling environment. That is one thing that I've had fun going and watching Nick Bockwinkle, Bobby Heenan promos and seeing how inspired they are by it. And Don Callis is just perfect in his role right now. We need to talk about it. Like, like, Don Callis is so good. He's a crafty man. He is an intelligent man. He rubbed the wrong people the wrong way in the WWE when he tried to do stuff there. But he found a way back in and he's not leaving anytime soon. He's got all the acumen that Paul Heyman has and he's yet to run a business into the ground. Mm. Not necessarily got the creativity of him, but he's got the business acumen of him. Also, in terms of a glow-up year, Tony Schiavone as well. Sorry, I have to say that. My dream scenario, and I didn't predict it, but my dream scenario is that Kenny Omega wins the IWGP world title off of Kota Ibushi at Dominion. That's my dream scenario. Yeah. Well, I've told, you my, I've told you my ultimate dream scenario, and I won't waste it on this one, but uh, yeah. So my prediction is that Kenny Omega will hold at least four singles titles simultaneously for at least four, uh, for at least four months. Sasha Banks will win a significant film or TV role besides her current role in The Mandalorian and will have to take a substantial amount of time off. Whether that becomes her Scorpion King or not is up for debate. Interesting. But I, I've said at the time, you looked at Sasha Banks, I think I said it when she was in NXT, she would not look out of place at the VMAs. Yeah. And apparently there's rumours that she is working on music with Snoop and everything. But what Sasha offers is something that mainstream media is looking for. They are looking for someone who, f- that Sasha Banks slash Mercedes Verando, is that her name? Yes. Will offer them. My next one is that a contracted NXT UK talent will choose to leave the company to work in either the UK or just the general indie scene. That there will be more money and opportunities for them there than there is in NXT UK. Okay. Although Ben Carter going to NXT UK might suggest that it's that's a bit of a fairy, you know, a bit of a, you know, for the birds. A bit of wishful thinking. Take, well, you want to take the uh, guaranteed money nah, at this moment in time, don't you? Yeah, but if that if that guaranteed money is only thirty grand, and you don't you can't you don't have any other alternative paths, then and you're on a show that no one is watching. Yeah. No, the UK scene, the UK fans are not showing up. We're not showing up to NXT UK shows. So, what does that tell you? Maybe there's such a thing as too much wrestling. <laughs> too ah, sorry, too much WWE wrestling. Exactly, too much of the WWE vision of it. And my final prediction is that a dot, and this is a two-parter, so I can only get half points if either of these are correct, but the other one isn't. AW will introduce a fourth title which my guess will be either a women's tag team title or maybe a mixed tag team title. Okay. And a second TV show on a cable network, a TNT or a TBS or, or something else. Your turn to go now. Your four Mount Rushmore iconic moments. Okay, yeah, I will, because you didn't say it, I will just give you my backup prediction. Big E to win the Royal Rumble. Okay, uh, now, I debated only picking one of these. But I am going to try and crowbar them in together, uh, whether you like it or not. I do have a backup if you won't accept it. Both the cinematic matches at WrestleMania. 
I have to pick one of them. Okay, if I have to pick one, the Firefly Funhouse. It's so hard to just pick one. It's so hard to not acknowledge the Boneyard match because it's. I think it's. I think it's the. It's the last Undertaker match that I actually wanted. Do you know what I mean? In terms of. And it was the return of the American Badass Undertaker yeah. as well. He ends on his own terms, and it, it was just a nice, nice ending for the Undertaker. Yeah, it was such a belated thing, though, in a way. It was a shame. And again, should have been in front of a crowd. And, well, I mean, he's obviously going to do a Hall of... The next Hall of Fame that will be in front of a crowd will be The Undertaker. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did an Andre and had him be the sole entry for that year. Could do with, like... uh, The Hall of Fame as a concept needs working on anyway. Well, they keep saying they're going to make a physical, and Ric Flair claimed that recently, but again... It's Elevation, by the way, is the name for the new AEW trademark. Okay, I am going to include the hashtag speaking out as a significant moment this year because A, you can't not, and B, I just want to like further emphasise that stuff like that shouldn't be happening and any measure we can take to ensure people feel safe doing the thing that they love should be taken. I am going to include Evil's title win. Yeah. More of the gear change it represented, mm. but it was like a force gear change, as we've discussed. Yeah. And my last one is the Hangman Omega versus Young Bucks tag match. It was just so... Okay. I love that match so, so much. All right. Here are my... I'm going to give my four backups, because I've got four backups for this one. Okay. One of them was the Boneyard match. Ah, that's farewell to the un- With the Farewell to the Undertaker as well, and the Amer- and the, the return of the American Badass. Yeah. Uh, I have Edge returning. I think that would have held more weight if it had, if he'd have been able to then tell the story that they wanted to tell from start to finish. Yeah, I thought that the stuff that he was doing with Randy Orton, though, even the stuff in the when there was no crowd, I thought they really. It reminded me of the ECW stuff when they were cutting promos in his mom's basement while yeah. she was doing the ironing. Some of the Edge stuff was really good there, and I I think Edge does character depth better than nearly any other wrestler. Like with Tetsuya Naito, there is a multi-year narrative of Edge's career. Do you feel like every aspect of Edge's life in the WWE weighs on him when he does these promos, these experiences all affect yeah. him? A slept-on moment that I think people will rediscover over time was the the show he did with Becky Lynch where ah, she just yes. completely... And she I think that was where she coined the man phrase. Yeah. And you could say they could have paid, led into it and said that was the moment that Edge knew he had to come back. But then they ever did bring it in. I've got Roman Reigns turning heel and becoming the tribal chief. That was another backup. Yep. Iconic moments. And my other, my last iconic moment, the really close to making the list, was Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone's passive aggressive ads on Impact Wrestling. <laughs> I'm. Not, I don't want Tony Khan to become an on-screen character, but I will take this as a little fun. Like Vin- everyone, everyone always says it's like Vince McMahon's Memphis stuff in '93. If Tony does what he's doing now, in terms of like, he, they go past him when obviously they walk backstage, like yeah, like yeah. when the young books threw the, their fine at him. I would rather they had a Jack Tunney figure that wasn't Tony Khan. <laughs> yeah, but that genie's at the bottom now. I think Jr. would be very good for that role. He be would have been, but I think we're past that point now. So my four iconic moments are Becky Lynch leaving to become a mother. Okay forfeiting the women's title that she never lost held it for over 13 months mjf and chris jericho doing a song and dance number oh my god yes vince stopping talent from using twitch and cameo 
and claiming that not only do they have the rights to their wrestler names, they have the rights to their real names. Absolute fucking bullshit. And like you, I'm going to have our shared one be the speaking out movements. Because some things are bigger than just people in tights rolling around on the mats. Yeah. We really are a work in progress as a society still. There are enough people that are trying to push us towards the right way. I don't know how much weight I put behind the whole the line of history is long, but it bends towards justice. I don't know how much weight I put behind it, but hopefully speaking out will be a good net result and not a bad one. Humans aren't perfect. People will be said nice things about in 2019 will never have to say anything nice about it again. Yeah. Humans will make mistakes. You have to accept that as a human being, that you are you are fallible. You will make mistakes. But some of the mistakes we've made is absolving people of their misdeeds. True. Also, oh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, so long as you're not doing things, you don't hurt people maliciously. And you, because no one's completely eat like bad or good. So long as you do more good than bad. And aim to do as much good as you possibly can do, then I think that's all you can really expect. Depends what bad. I suppose, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. So long as you're all like, I know what you mean. Life isn't easy. Morality isn't easy. Some people have found wearing a bit of cloth over their face not easy. Hmm. But we just have to keep fighting on, and God knows we all had to fight this year in some way, shape, or form. All of us were put to a test this year. In some capacity. Yeah. And let's hope that this is just the only year that we had to face that. And we've maybe lo- we've all learned things about ourselves, I suppose. Whether good or bad. Or in the middle. Just facts. But if you want to learn more about us, then you can do it through the means of social media. Simon, how can people get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the initial amount of bottles of hand sanitizer that I bought when I thought lockdown was going to be a two-week jobby. My name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for annual, N for no toilet rolls within a five-mile radius. <laughs> that's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, if you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. You can get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com, lmtyspod is all Twitter and Facebook accounts and if you go to patreon.com slash lntyspod you want to start a new year's resolution why not it be helping some of your favourite podcasters providers out there and no not those too, people I mean us <laughs> oh we both went for the same thing <laughs> that's why we make such a great partnership we would only stop talking over one another <laughs> but there's nothing left to say at this point except that next week you will hear the second part of our brainstorming session for the Monday Night War, as we finally try and assemble all the story beats into one coherent story before we start then moving on to scene breakdowns and maybe even writing a little bit of dialogue. But that's for another future podcast. 2021, theoretically, if we do our jobs right, you're going to get 52 episodes next year. You lucky, lucky devils. If there's anything to look forward to in 2021, it's not a vaccine. It's 52 episodes. Bloody hell, mate. Did you that, that Simpsons quote? Did you, did you blow it like the Beatles and say you were bigger than Jesus? All the time. It was the title of our second album. Better than the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> better. <laughs> Not great, but better. <laughs> but anyway, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great rest of the year until the next year. Thank you.